is up, royalists? Welcome back <laughs> to 10 10 10 to 10 10 10, the only Tintin podcast sponsored by the Sildavian monarchy. I'm your host, mm-hmm. Janosch. Mm-hmm. We love royalty. Hi, I'm your host, Sarah, famously from Northern Ireland. Famously, I love ro- uh-huh. monarchy. It's a wonderful system that must be preserved at all costs. Is if I find out there was a plot to to steal the queen's special little stick, I would do anything in my power to like break into her house and tell her this. I would not stop after death. I would haunt that bitch until I was like, "Hey, your sticks." Hey Liz, yeah, your I, sticks. I heard okay, there's a, there's a plot it. to steal that like big crown on that roundabout. <laughs> I don't want to think about the really big crown in the roundabout near me. <laughs> so for context, in in Northern Ireland, there's a there's a place that has a big crown on a roundabout. That's all the context you need for that. You might yeah. have understood that from when we said the big crown on the roundabout, but you know. The crownabout. The crownabout. <laughs> uh, we're talking about King Ottokar's scepter. Yes, uh, famously very crown-centric narrative. Mm, mm-hmm, mm. How are we doing today? It's the, it's September 2021. Um, yeah, it's the freaking weeking. It is a Sunday evening. Yeah, I'm in the kind of mood where I got, I, I was like, oh, Sunday, PJs, uh, you know, I read this, like, I mean, I read this and made my notes this morning, and then I was like, oh, Sundays, video gaming, and then forgot to come to the podcast. So that's like, that's, I'm very relaxed, I'm like in a chill mood. Yeah. How are you? I'm fine. I ate, like, very late for lunch, so I haven't really had a dinner, um, you know, Cracked open a cold one. I'm I'm feeling chill. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, my, my flatmate made me some Estonian comfort food, so that was nice. Nice. It was very comforting, very Estonian. Sounds great. Yeah. As you might have noticed, we're we're without a guest again. Um, just the two of us. Uh, just just the <laughs> classic. <laughs> <laughs> that classic host constellation that you love to hear. Um, yeah. And we're back with Erge. Uh, RJ's in the studio with us today. It's he's, a miracle. He's back with politics. Um, yeah. I tried to understand the background of this that is on the Wikipedia. It's like, it's kind of nothing. I don't think it's necessary to follow along the comic. It's like, apparently he was like, dr- dr- like we mentioned this last episode that he was going to tackle the Nazis. Can't really show it to him. Mm. Um, and apparently this is based on expansionist policies of Nazi Germany and the annexation of Austria and the Munich Agreement. I don't think any of that like really reads in the comic. Like, no, I don't know about just, you. No, yeah, it's like a... Like all all of that is contained within these like two extremely like small panels with mm. like text that detail like oh the plot that like what was the other country called? Borduria. I keep wanting to say Borogravia, but that's from from Terry Pratchett. Borduria yes. might as well be Borogravia, um, and it's like it's nothing. It's it completely ignorable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as I understand, 
the like Bordurian extremists that RJ is portraying is supposed to be like fascists. It's just confusing if he puts all of these in the Balkans, you know? It doesn't really read as like as like something that is supposed to critique the Nazis when it's also one when it's one set in the Balkans and two like the plot that the person that you need to protect the Na- protect from the Nazis is the king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I'm reading like, oh, how should I design Borduria as a satirical depiction of Nazi Germany? We like don't see it. We yeah. see like one panel of some Bordurian guys. I, I, it's like the it's like a time frame in Nazi politics, I guess, that were not that much. Because it's like none of it is about their ideologies, right? Like it's just about their expansionist politics, which is like not not what you associate with fascists, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it could just be because we are so far removed, we have yeah. a historical view, we can go back and be like, ah, oh, th- this is what Nazi Germany was all about, whereas at the time th- that may not have been completely evident to people. Mm-hmm. Eh, I guess. I guess. I don't know, I think w- once we get to the actual contents we can we can talk more about it if something comes through but like for now i i guess the historical background background is there but it doesn't like unlike unlike most of the previous ones we've had this doesn't there's like there's like nothing in the background that would actually like influence the reading experience at all I think a lot of it will stay. Like, there's going to be one or two more that are, like, political in good or really bad ways. But I think we're yeah. going to enter an era of Tintin, like, I think with the next one, where it just becomes, like, pretty, pretty much, like, pure adventure stories, where, like, the political background is, like, doesn't yeah. really impact much. It, it very much, it's like, you know, contrast to Blue Lotus or even, like, the fucking broken ear, yeah. like... Um, it's like the the political stuff in those was like you know Tintin it was like relevant it was like um, there was like factions and we knew about the factions and stuff was like going on but this is like this is nothing it's a very like individual like Tintin himself is on a mission to like find the special little stick yeah (laughs) because you know it's very um, MacGuffin it's like oh the king needs the stick to be king and the king's lost the stick so Tintin's gotta get the stick but it's like it's not like you know theoretically there's politics there but it's mostly just about an individual like about the king and his special little stick yeah and that said like closing the door on politics here um, just like viewed on its own I, I like the story a lot I really enjoyed this one uh, should, that was should, fun. shall we get to shall we get to a plot summary? Let's talk about uh, King Ottokar's scepter. Do you have any kind of like plot summary overall? Um, I mean, I haven't prepared anything. Do you want to try to tackle it, or should I try it? Um, yeah, I think I could do like a quick sort yeah. of general plot summary. Tinted finds a briefcase on a park bench. Snowy says to him when he goes to open it, and he's like, "I'm going to take this back to its owner." Snowy then says. Uh, stay in your own fucking lane, Tintin. Tintin does not stay in his own lane, and the rest of the book involves Tintin kind of ending up sort of tracking himself to the fictional country of Sildavia, where he 
sort of uncovers slash uh, figures out that they're going to steal the scepter of King Otokar, which he needs to be king, and hijinks ensue, the scepter gets stolen, Tintin finds it, Tintin brings it back, and he's a hero to the people of Sildithia, the end, pretty much. Hell yeah. <laughs> Great summary. Yeah, this is, this, this is pretty much pretty much the whole thing this is and we can go we can go through it once again like scene by scene but like overall maybe maybe the most solid plot we've had so far like the one where it's like there's a central mystery or like a like like a like a plot hook and it basically like follows it through all the way through without like without like without like bigger distractions or without like a lot of like confusing elements that previous stories had do you agree on that yeah i think so but i also think that the um you know because like the the sort of uh initial first page call to action is tintin finds some guy's briefcase and is going to like give it back to him and like as a sort of initial plot hook that is paper thin yeah um i think i noticed throughout um sorry like I noticed that throughout the rest of the book, like, they're like, you know, whenever Tintin starts to be like, oh, I think there's a plot to steal the scepter of the king. It's just because he read a pamphlet that talked about the scepter and then like immediately just like assumed like he didn't really have evidence. Again, like it's a paper thin, like connect, connective thread in this. And that's Tintin. Like I, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Once again, I don't know how it's going to develop in later book it books it's if the plot hooks are gonna get stronger but so far i think all of them were like tintin coming across something that like just hooks him into the plot just by being like okay this is the plot hook i will now get involved in this <laughs> right like, yeah and that's yeah that's what all of them have been like he just happens to be where there is in this case where there is a briefcase left behind and then mm. he's just going to take every single adventure plot like his th- similarly to like i don't know like the blue lotus where like a lot of it was just things happening to him and is going along like that's <laughs> yeah that's still like the main modus operandi of of these comics yeah and i'm like i'm wondering because you know snowy's comment of Specifically, what Snow says is no good ever comes of getting mixed up in other people's business, and that you know that feels kind of lampshady of Hergé almost. Yeah. Um, like quite self-aware. Yeah. Yeah, and Tintin on this first, like, especially on this first page, is like that classic. I don't know if this comes from the redraws, uh, but like th- this one and the last one, and I think. Also, like, like a lot of them started in a way where the first panel is just like Tintin walking, which is like, <laughs> no, dude, come up with a come up with a better opening. Hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. Like literally, the first thing Tintin says in this comic is, "Let's sit down on this bench for a minute." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's just like with Tintin, you get the sense that like. Tintin doesn't exist until yeah. you open the pages of a Tintin book. Like, unlike other characters and, like, other media properties, basically, I don't know, the way characters are constructed, like, nowadays in modern times, yeah. you know, they have 
we think of them as having like characters and personalities and things that they do, but like Tintin, it's just like, nah, Tintin manifests into existence the moment you open the book and he ceases to be when you close it. I mean, this first panel is just like the most like no thoughts head empty expression <laughs> that you could yeah. have. Yeah. And it's, I, I think, I, I keep thinking that like Haddock is so overdue because like Ergie really needed to introduce like a friend that he could hang out with because <laughs> up to this point his only friends are like Snowy who's a dog yeah and the Thompsons who are like detectives who are mostly involved in like trying to put him in jail <laughs> yeah yeah those are the, the, the two most important relationships a man can have yeah <laughs> um, um, yeah he follows this lead uh, this lead of this briefcase uh he meets this guy named professor alambic he's the like uh, of the like five comics we've read he is the eighth like cookie professor <laughs> cookie professor character right like we're, we're we're reaching critical levels of like weird professor per comic yeah um yeah, yeah this one he's is a incredibly little bit. i mean this he's more of a cranky guy i guess he's yeah he's, he's incredibly rude. Uh, short-sighted and a chain smoker. These are the two. These are the two character traits he has. Uh, w- we need to remember this for later. I mean, honestly, like Hershey does a whole skit where he keeps dropping cigarettes on Snowy. <laughs> on Snowy. <laughs> like, and honestly, like that is the only reason I remembered that he smoked. Yeah. Um. So honestly, kind of like good job on Hershey for doing that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like. Honestly, he's doing it. That's that's why I, I, I said that the plot stuff works, like, pretty well for the most part. Because, like, all the, like, clue mystery stuff, like, with with his smoking and short-sightedness is, like, kind of... Is, like, set up in a way that that is, like, going to, like, push some of your buttons, like, in a way where you're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Maybe that's gonna matter later. And then it, yeah. then it does. Yeah. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Yeah, we've reached the point in the podcast where we're no longer shocked and, and astonished whenever Hershey does set up and pay off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he learns, he learns about sigillography here, um, uh-huh. which is the art of knowing sigils. This this seems incredibly boring to me. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's it's not even like, oh, fun symbols. It's just like wax seals. Yeah, it's just being obsessed with kings. Yeah, it's 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 being a royalist, you know, yeah. secretly. Um, but yeah, he's at this guy's house, and as he's leaving, he gets uh like sneak photographed, mm-hmm. um, which I actually did do like a brief Google, and it turns out that like watch cameras were like a popular thing in like Victorian times. Oh yeah, and I just like I hate to think about. Um, I wonder can I send this picture in chat. Because it's like a fun little ad uh, for like the Lancaster watch camera. But I just I just hate to consider that like as soon as we invented photography, we then immediately invented secret sneaky photography yeah. because we're fucking creeps. Yeah, like I feel like this comes up in like espionage stuff like constantly. The like, yeah. the, like sneaky yeah. watch photography stuff. I guess it's good to know that it was actually a thing that was done in real life. Um I, I had I had a it... great time just like going through yeah. like Google images and Pinterest boards of like 1930s spy gadgets, and I was like, "Oh damn, James Bond real, huh?" Yeah, 
I just like, there, there was so many stupid things. I, I, I do really enjoy this bit of these, like, of this guy who, who's just, like, standing at the bottom. Like, once again, he's, once again, RJ is using ethnic markers. In this case, like, all these, like, Bordurians have, like, big mustaches. Yeah, it's, like, big mustaches, and they all do seem to kind of have just, like, the same haircut as yeah. well. Yeah, it's the it's the backhand haircut. It's honestly, honestly, it's not. I mean, the current backhand haircut is different, but there is definitely like the like a specific type of East European guy where they all look exactly the same and like act exactly <laughs> the same, and they all have the exact same haircut. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. not to be. Not, I I'm allowed to say this as a Hungarian. <laughs> yeah, I was reading it. I was like, oh fuck, should we have got Nogi on for this one? And apparently he based he based Borduria on Romania, which is like not not quite Balkan, but like very close. Okay, because the, there might have been somewhere else on the Wikipedia page that said Montenegro. Yeah, yeah, it's it's those or it's Serbia, those countries, yeah, and or I can't find it, but yeah, like I know, like looking at all the decorations on like the costuming and stuff, like. It's it, it, it's fairly like congruent with like whenever I've read about like Balkans yeah. uh, dressed and stuff. It's like you know I I haven't really done extensive research, but it just like on a passing glance, I'm like, yep, that looks like Balkans costume to me. Mm-hmm. And immediately on like page four, this uh, the the classic thing already happens where like Tintin just walks into a situation, and suddenly everybody everybody keeps talking about him. Like suddenly he becomes the menace number one. Yeah, yeah. He walks past the door of these like spies, of these Bordurian spies, and they're already talking about her. Anyway, we know his name is Tintin. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. I guess there's something about him. Everyone's like, I want this. I want that twink obliterated. <laughs> yeah, um, he's very sus. He's just a, he's just a boy with his dog, you know, and he keeps walking into like international conflicts. What's more sus than a little boy with a dog? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's like some shifty guys around. Tintin like overhears some shit, follows them to a Sildivian restaurant called Clow. Yeah. And then we get like a, a like a funny, funny Sildivian food scene. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, like the 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 the, the, the thing about this scene is that the like waiter in his restaurant tells him that the specialty that they served him is dog um and then Tintin gets uh Tintin gets freaked out and thinks they cooked snow which I was like I was like uh about it but then the payoff is of course that they just made this up to uh to prank Tintin so I'm like fine with it yeah, it's think, kind of funny. Yeah, I don't think this this I don't think RJ is saying that people on the back ends eat dogs. It's just yeah, uh, this 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 funny Sildavian waiter just like thought of the 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 funniest thing that he could prank Tintin with. <laughs> <laughs> just a prank, bro. Why are you mad? Um, yeah, and of course Snowy does like have his revenge by like eating and drinking all the shit in the restaurant kitchen. Yeah. And then Snowy has hiccups for two pitches. It's really good. We don't... I don't know what Snowy drank in this, because there's no Loch Lomond whiskey here, so... Yeah, it doesn't, like, look like... Al- there's no, like, indicators of this yeah. is alcohol. He just has hiccups. Yeah. 
I'm looking at the panel. It might have been soup. I think it's, yeah, I think it's soup. <laughs> soup or like some stew or something. Mm, good soup. Um, yeah, like, so Tintin gets threatened out of a restaurant. And then when he gets home, he gets like a mysterious call and like, so some guy's going to come visit him. And the guy arrives and just like passes out on his door. Classic. There's a there's like an extended bit here about Tinted's window, which I do quite enjoy. <laughs> it's funny. Um, where like he breaks his own window because like it's sticky and he kind of open, so like he breaks his own window, and then like a page later, like calls the guy to fix it. And there's a really great like um, panel transition where Tintin is like, "Oh, thanks for your help. Like, not for a long time again, I hope." And then the next panel is immediately yeah. a brick being thrown through Tintin's window. Extremely good. Yeah, I mean this is. This is a skill that Eve has honed since, like, you know, Cigars of the Pharaoh, not quite there yet. Um, a lot of the slapstick was, like, really came out of nowhere. But, like, by this point, like, in this one and in the last one, he's just, like, at this point, slapstick just, like, comes just as a second nature to Eve. <laughs> like, he's, he's, like, channeling... Really like all the stuff he's learned about setup and payoff, yeah. he is channeling into comedy, and I I support him for this. Yeah, we we also have the Thompsons invo- involved in this situation. Like there's this guy that collapses on him. Then the uh, the Thompsons are also trying to go to his room, but Tintin just closes the door on them. Then the um, uh, Thompsons are trying to like question this person, but he doesn't seem to remember anything. Yeah. He's got he's got uh, narratively convenient amnesia. Yeah, that's just what happens when you get bonked in the head. Yeah, unless and as far you're Tintin. As, uh, yeah, unless you have a jelly head like Tintin. But as far as I could tell, like this guy doesn't really come up again until maybe like the last page of the book when Hergé is like, yeah. "Oh right, I better explain this." Yeah, I think he just like he might be the other side, like the Sildavian side of this conspiracy, where like he tried to. I don't know. Yeah, he's got the moustache and the haircut. Yeah. Yeah, but he has a slightly different... I don't know. He has a slightly different moustache, I guess. He doesn't seem to be one of the Bordurian spies. I think mm. the, I think it's supposed to be... I think the, the thing is that the like Bordurian spies like made him have amnesia or something so that he can't warn Tintin. I don't know. I'm like... I'm just like I'm looking through it and I'm wondering if like the the because the does the Sildavian mustaches go down and the Bordurian ones go out? <laughs> like is this a thing? I don't I don't oh, no. I think this is nothing. I don't think it is. I think I mean I guess part of the point is also and I I'm pretty sure Sildavian Borduria will come up again. Um, yeah. But I think the point of them is that they're like pretty interchangeable, like. Balkan states that are just like constantly at war with each other or constantly like in conflict with each other, right? Yeah, because it's it's nineteen thirties like pre Yugoslavia. Yeah, because yeah. Yugoslavia was like a post World War Two thing, right? Cold War type shit. Yes, I think, I think it was. Yeah, but there were. I don't know. I'm not a obviously not a, a history expert, so uh, I I don't want to <laughs> make any statements about. Pre and post World War Two with Yugoslavia, so yeah. Well, I looked. I, I looked it up. Sildavia comes up in like five more Tintin books. So 
this is so yeah. yeah there's sorry yeah there's like three different wikipedia pages for three like different yugoslavias i don't know yeah yeah the flag of the flag of borduria is just like a mustache on bla- on, on red black ground uh, i'm sorry what although okay this apparently this is the new flag of borduria that shows up in the calculus affair like in okay Oh, okay, yeah, because we do we do meet um, when it comes back. This this pretty doesn't work. Hold on. Oh my god, that's that's so funny. <laughs> what is this like? Two thousand and nine, uh, like quirky fashion trend type shit. Longitudinal <laughs> yeah. mustaches on everything. It's, it's just literally that. Yeah, there's a whole Wikipedia article on sildavia and borduria separately two fictive two two fictional countries from the tintin books yeah not only is there like a, a like there's a wikipedia wikipedia page for sildavian the language yeah <laughs> what like oh my god yeah hmm, oh my god language. Models. there's 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 all the there, there, there's like all, all the grammar of the sildavian language is laid out it does say it has a superficial resemblance to certain Central European languages, particularly Polish and Hungarian. Janusz, confirm. No. <laughs> Denied, Herge. <laughs> I didn't recognize anything. There were, I, I think it's more like German. Like, there were a few sentences that were almost German if you, like, try to read them out. If you squint. If you squint, yeah. There's some, yeah. I enjoyed the... I mean, this is this is a classic vein of comedy, but you know, never gets old when the Thompsons are just using all sorts of different uh, similar-sounding words for amnesia. So they're like, "What has anemia to do with it?" I can't really believe in, in this magnesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the plot. Um... Back to the plot. He gets uh, when his windows windows when he was window gets smashed for the fifth fifth time. He gets like a. Uh, stone thrown in with a note attached that says for the last time mind your own business this stone this also just time. like hits Snowy straight in the butt um, oh no Snowy <laughs> I think Snowy suffers a lot in this book yeah but Snowy also gets some like hero moments yeah. in this book I really enjoyed them yeah uh, Thompson twins get letter bombed they do um, the letter bomb was for Tintin. They sort of they took that one for him. Um, very brave. They do spend like three pages, probably more actually, in like shredded outfits. Yes. Uh, looking beat to shit. Um, poor lads. Hershe does the thing of like uh, that Tintin did in like Cigars of the Pharaoh or possibly Blue to Lotus, where like they were on the back of a car and Tintin was like, hold on, oh, yeah. folks. And then they, they fell off. Extremely good. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess, Sergio. Yeah, it's just the exact same bit, but it's still good. There's a there's a car chase of these mustache guys. Oh yeah, Tintin follows them after the letter bombing, right? So he's like, oh, those are the guys who send the letter. There's a car chase. Um, doesn't quite manage to catch up because he like, oh yeah, they're jamming. They're, they're like stepping on the brakes. So like Tintin on his, uh, on his motorbike just crashes against them and flies away um yeah so he yeah, decides like... yeah he's like well i th- i can't follow these people but i have another lead the professor 
and he did mention that he needs an assistant to go to Soldavia, so I'm just gonna tell him that I'm gonna be his assistant. I wish I could get jobs this easy. God, I wish that were me. I have to email like 17 people to get one yeah. job. God damn it, Tintin. I have to... He, he does. He didn't even like send a resume, you know. He didn't have to write a CV for this. He's just this professor. Just apparently just liked him immediately, so it's fine. Yeah, so it's, like, the, it's the 1930s. They don't even have LinkedIn. Yeah, God. And I guess he has experience from his previous from his journalistic efforts. So. Of what? I don't know. Like this is not this staying is a bit in his own that, that I had. A really hard. I was really struggling with this aspect of the Tintin mythology. Like when I first read them at like age thirteen, is that I, he was nominally a journalist, but I, he, he just never wrote like articles. You know, <laughs> you never see yeah. him do journalistic work. All the journalism he does is like travel the world, follow. Leads, oh my god! Like, do you think that if Tintin was set in like modern day times, yeah. that he would be an influencer? <laughs> <laughs> no, he might be like a blogger. Yeah, he might be like an Instagram blogger. So he's like, like a, traveling like around the world. True crime YouTuber. Yeah, he could be like a like a vice, you know, vice YouTube, uh, like one of those like what's it called? What's that vice series where they're like? Or is it Buzzfeed? Buzzfeed Uncovered? Is is that what it's called? Oh my god! Tinted Buzzfeed Unsolved. Yeah, Buzzfeed Unsolved. That's what I was thinking of. Damn. Um, oh yeah, like when he's on the phone to Professor Alambic being like, yes, you will employ me, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, meet you tomorrow morning. The professor just starts like yelling for help. <laughs> um, presumably something bad is happening. So Tintin runs to his house. But when he gets to the professor's house, he's fine. Don't worry about him. He's just it's fucking. Fine. It's fine. Don't worry about him. He's fine. I feel like I feel like they could have they, they could have handled this better. Like there's gonna be later bits where it becomes even more obvious that that the imposter professor just like hasn't really thought this through well enough. Like he could have been like, "Oh, I was just shouting for help because I like dropped a hot cup of coffee on my foot or something," you know? Like he could have come yeah. up with something instead of saying, instead of trying to gaslight Tintin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's just, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody was shouting. You must have imagined it. Yeah. Like, we have a sort of sequence of, like, they get on the plane together to go to Prague. Yeah. Stopping at, like, Frankfurt as well. At this point, I remember that it is the 1930s and, like, planes don't work too good. Yeah. (laughs) We get another, like, classic Thompson's bit where they're, like, where Tintin is, like, oh, I see you have new hats. Very nice. After the letter bomb, you got new hats. Congrats! And they—they're they, so proud of their. They're so happy with their new hats. That's pure English felt, extra light, and only three ninety-five. Wonderful bargain. Wonderful bargain. And then, of course, the the plane propellers just blow the hats away, and then like this car drives over them, and the hats are ruined. I feel so bad for them. Like, yeah, I. If I got a nice new hat, you know, I would get so mad. I like the um continuous continuing saga of like Thompson twins versus planes. Yeah. Like enemies for life. Because yeah, it happens a couple of times. Honestly, just like all all transport. <laughs> yeah. Like they had their train t- troubles. They had every time Tintin is getting into a car, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
it's like there's there's a later bit where the where the Thompsons are like doing pretty good detective work, you know, like they're not at this point they're not as bad at their jobs as they were in like the Blue Lotus. They're just like really plagued by the worst luck, while at the same time Tintin is blessed with having extraordinary luck. Yeah, like maybe the Thompsons are actually geniuses. They're just yeah. very unlucky. Yeah, I think they're suffering from secondary character disease. I would love to see the like wicked type, like or the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern type. That's maybe a better <laughs> comparison. Like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern story about the Thompsons. That's that's the one we write. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that fanfic exists. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the professor does the does the the next like it's a it's a nicely laid clue you know in that it in that it takes a while to pay off but like it's gonna nag on your mind but also at the same time this this imposter professor is just like doing the worst job where he's like cleaning his glasses and he talks to Tintin like look. Look down there, the sheep. I can see them from this far up and I'm not even wearing my glasses. And it's like, it's not that Tintin just like noticed something through like his remarkable senses or like his remarkable detective abilities. It's that, it's that the professor like deliberately calls attention to it, right? Like he said to Tintin, hey, look down those little sheep. It's not that Tintin said, oh, there's something there. And the professor was like, oh yeah, I can see it perfectly clearly. It's not that. It's like really the professor offering up this information. Yeah, and like altogether, because like and like Tintin like notices this and is like, well, something's weird, but like can't quite like figure it out yet. And it's like altogether, I think compared to like previous books, Tintin is like far less of a genius than he's appeared to be in like previous books. Yeah. Um, because like he has done shit before. Well, remember when he fucking learned how to speak elephant language <laughs> yeah. in like six panels, like. <laughs> You know, we've we've come a long way from there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tintin is Tintin is getting toned down to more of a normal person, which you know yeah. does work better with this type of story. Uh, as yeah. much as I miss his like extra human abilities. Yeah. <laughs> he gets beaten by a horse in this one. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, like so they're on a plane to. Rag at this point. Yeah. At this point, we get like the the, the this like brochure insert thing. Oh yeah. About it's like an article about like the kingdom of Sildavia and like gives you all the and it it like honestly has the vibe of the like menu in the back of the Game of Thrones books that tell you like all the houses and stuff and like oh here's the yeah Tarleys. except it's like spliced like right into the comic like. To me, the vibe this gets is like in a in in a video game where you like read, where you like click on something and it's like so much text that you have to mm. you have to or don't have to read. It, yeah, I like. I don't like. I re- I really like this because yeah. I just really like whenever like there's like in media media, in the media, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um. Because it is just, like, nicely laid out. Like, he's drawn, like, a sort of fake, I guess, historical Sildavian painting yeah. or tapestry or something. That bit slaps. Like, when yeah, he draws got... in this different style. Which I am pretty confident. Like, this comic doesn't have, like... 
very noticeable redrawings in the way that like the previous one had um mm. a lot of it does look like like Tintin's face does look like it's drawn more of a in Ajay's old style uh mm. but these these like uh in for for brochure pages these look very much redrawn <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like the the infra brochure has to have been there in the original yeah. because, like, it's the reason Tintin figures out the scepter plot. Yeah, but it just does look like so good, and like, you know, yeah, the variety of styles is so cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. I also have a memory of uh, of like m- me reading this like when I was you know thirteen, fourteen, and I. I think my dad was like saw that I was reading this page and he was like, Oh, there's real text in these comics. Very funny. <laughs> it was like actual reading. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is quite funny because this time around I like I skimmed it. I didn't really read yeah. it in detail. <laughs> you know, there's it's visually great. I don't think you need to read all this lore about these countries that I made up. <laughs> No, but I, you know, I like that it's there. Yeah, I like that they're like Herjay has just put in background world building. Yeah, because I love background world building. Yeah, it's cool. It's the. It's just like it's. The... It's kind of um. Sorry, you go. No, go on. I was gonna say it's like kind of the opposite of how um the the fucking Bolivia Paraguay countries like Santiago's yeah. and Nuevo Rico were treated, where like. They were sort of hand waved, um, whereas here there's like actual effort put in to like make these countries at least feel like real countries. Yeah. Um, like, like honestly, like the opposite of again the opposite of what I said about Tintin, where Tintin manifests into existence when you open the Tintin book and yes. like ceases to exist when you close the Tintin book. That is not the case for the countries of like Sildavia and um, yeah, Borduria, like because of shit like this, like they feel like there is things about them that happens that we don't know about. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, was I like say, world building. It's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a valid approach. I, you know, when I do any sort of fiction, I don't do any of this shit. Like, when I, like, that's why I can only GM, like, games that are, like, powered by the apocalypse or, uh, or like Blades in the Dark, you know, stuff where you, yeah. where the rule set like kind of tells you that yeah. that you should like not prep too much. Like it's 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 very set on improv because I can't like come up with tons of world building to go into a game that is is never gonna get referenced unless someone asks about it. Like if if there's something mm. that uh, that that requires lore, I'm just gonna make up the lore on the spot and then try to work it into stuff late and that's also how i did like heart spell like when we were writing heart spell that was like okay I, okay but i was literally gonna say y'all put in fake newspaper articles into the end of heart spell you just, oh, yeah. you just literally did this oh yeah but it wasn't like you know background information that was like information that happened afterwards you know like i'm just saying i'm not like i'm not like you know thinking out entire magic systems and coming up with an entire list of all the like NPCs or like all the, of all the characters' backstories, you know, like it's, it's not the type of world building where I like prep everything or like come up Mm -hmm. with everyone's backstories, but it's like, it's like a valid approach. Like I can, 
I can see why LJ would be like, oh, I'm gonna come up with all these facts about Sildavia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, if you're gonna build a country, do it properly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think second, it's necessary. Second time but lucky. I don't think it's necessary, but I'm happy for him, I guess. Like. Yeah. Happy for you, sorry that happened, I guess. I'm not reading this pamphlet. Yeah. And that's um, what Tintin says, because he's, he's like looking at it and he's like, well, that's all very interesting, but... <laughs> Yeah, and like this is when he figures out that um, the Professor Alembic he's traveling yeah. with is an imposter. Yeah, because the we skipped over this, but like when they landed in Prague, there's also someone someone offering him a cigarette, and tin and 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 the professor just be like, ah, I'll, let's just board the plane, and then Tintin is like, yeah, wait a second, he he threw fifteen lit cigarettes on Snowy <laughs> the last time we talked. <laughs> Could not get enough of it. Yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy loves cigarettes. He just eats them. He's just <laughs> munching on them. <laughs> and yeah, so he does. Um, he does a thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna pull off his false beard," which again, like, this very much calls in into question comment. the nature of disguises in Hergé's world. Yeah. Um, where Tintin believes that he could be entirely convinced by something that is just a false beard, um, despite the fact that up until now this guy has looked exactly like the professor. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm just not going to think about it too much. Um, <laughs> Look, disguises are for better or worse. Disguises are a staple of the Tintin comic, and we're not going to go into it. Yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, not the turn. Gonna the remember turn... some of the more memorable disguises. Um, a few comics. I'm ago. trying to forget some of the more memorable disguises. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the turntables and like Tintin does the bit of trying to pull off someone's beard. It turns out to be a real beard. Oh no, Mama, uh, what you gonna do? Um, and the plot kind of continues. Tintin's just a bit confused. Yeah, maybe maybe he's given up smoking. Maybe yeah. his eyes drastically improved. Yeah, maybe maybe he's like long sided instead yeah. of short sighted. Oh, yeah, it's a possibility, I guess. Which actually, yeah, it's kind of a valid point. Yeah. Like, well, then something fucked up happens. Whoops! <laughs> Bye. Um. Yeah, we're you know we're in a plane. We're flying over Sildavia. Yeah, when you said uh, when you said in the nineteen thirties, planes were less safe. You know. Yeah, this is what they, this is what they meant. <laughs> like, you could get in a plane. This happened all the time. Sometimes you just got in a plane, and then the pilot was like, "Oh, you're rude to me. Fuck you." <laughs> kind of like um, kind of like a beetle does in Skyloft in Skyward Sword, where if you go into his <laughs> sure. uh, shop, which is flying around, and then you try and leave without buying anything, he's like, "Oh, you're not going to buy anything," and he presses a button, and then the floor opens and you fall down. Mm. Um, this is the. <laughs> Have you ever played Spelunky? No. <laughs> there's it's Spelunky. There's like these shops. Where you can buy all sorts of like bombs and weapons, but the controls are like in a way that is like very easy to just like set off a weapon or a bomb. And if you set <laughs> off a gun inside a shop, the shopkeeper is gonna go fucking berserk. Like he's gonna pull out like three guns and is gonna oh try God. to like. But but like literally, the shopkeeper is like more dangerous than any of the real enemies inside the game. <laughs> and it's very easy to accidentally set off a bomb or a gun in his shop. Oh. On the other hand, if you manage to kill the shop shopkeeper, from that point on, everything is gonna be free in the shops. 
It's a great game. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, so yeah, Tintin gets thrown out of a plane um, while attached to his seat. Um, there, there's like there's a parachute that's like on the back of the seat because I guess there was a parachute on the back of all seats in planes in the 1930s because they were sus. Um, so he sort of manages to get to the ground without dying. Not because he puts on the parachute, um, but because he falls into a haystack. <laughs> Just happens um, to be there. Yeah, convenient haystack. He's got protagonist disease. He can't die. He's so lucky. Like, this is the yeah. most, like, just, like, extraordinary life. Like, these, these peasants are just, like, walking by with their, with their like, oxes pulling, like, a huge haystack. And then they he just really, to fall right into it. He, like, poured all of his points into luck and, like, none of his other stats. And meanwhile, yep. the Thompsons may have put all their points into intelligence, <laughs> but it doesn't fucking matter because they have no luck stat and they can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, like, the exact opposite of what the Thompsons would do. Like, the Thompsons can, like, get can like get hospitalized just by like just by like going out of a door out of the door where there's like three stairs down yeah right? like, like there's a point steps. later in the book where they're on like a completely flat neutral floor and they slip and fall yeah yeah and Tintin can fall out of a plane and be fine yeah yeah um yeah we get this is where we get some uh Sildavian language mm-hmm. um it's got it's got Zed's everywhere in it and I'm pointing and I'm like that seems bugging to me okay cool yeah yeah there's a bit when where the guy says that's just the same like that's just German with a few letters yeah additional letters in there yeah just it's like the the, like the the Johnny Depp meme of sprinkling the salt but it's like Zed's yeah and I bring him to Politsky. Yeah, this is where Tintin is like, ah, oh, I figured out someone's going to steal the king's scepter because I read a pamphlet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it is quite funny. God. Like, um, This bit is so the, good. The, this, I'm looking at the bit where like Tintin is like, the, the, like, the police guy is like, oh, can you explain further? And Tintin is like, yes, but first you have to make sure we're not overheard. And then it like cuts away so, we, the, so the hairshade doesn't have to write out Tintin's yeah. explanation. <laughs> Um, I love this bit where this like uh, this 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 police guy is like Tintin is like can I hire a car and then he's like there's not a single car in village but you can go uh, you can go with this horse carriage you can take a suitably antiquated form of transport Um, I did I was reading about um there's somewhere on the Wikipedia page where it's like, oh, Hergé intended Silvia to be like a romanticized um, version of like Central yeah. European life. I cannot find it. Yeah, but like there are cars, like you know, like there's gonna be a car just speeding by the by the carriage. Oh, I guess that belongs to to the foreign celebrity. So. Oh yeah, let's 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 get to let's it. Let's get um, to it. Because we meet a special friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the context for this is like Tintin gets to this horse carriage, and uh, meanwhile, the like the, the, these spies get or the whatever this like resistance group is, you know, it's not not quite clear, but they get word of uh, Tintin being in this horse carriage, so 
they're they're holding this uh this 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 cat this this carriage guy up. They're trying to like get out of him where the where the young foreigner is, uh, and he's like, oh, oh oh, he is he got into a he's not here anymore. Uh, but he's like he has like he like has a status, so it takes like forever. It really does take the entire page for him to say like he got in a car. Yeah, and then the car drives past, and then he's like, he got in, he was he exactly got into that car. Yeah. And we get a view into um, this car. I just like I want to. Because this is the start of, like, as soon as he comes and, like, talks to the police person and is like, I have to talk to the king, there's 16 pages of Tintin trying to get to the king, getting continuously captured, uncaptured, being chased. Like, for 16 pages, that's, like, yeah, a good third him. of the book. But, like, this this police guy is in on the conspiracy, right? I'm assuming. Like, that's the point. I think that's the point, that he said there is no car. So he can get into the yeah. horse carriage. So they, so then the, uh, the spies get get to him quicker. And then there's, then there's a bit later when he has a phone call and he's like, "Wait, you didn't, you didn't manage to capture it? Oh, it's just because the cart guy was stuttering." Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we 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 Tintin Tintin got in a car and guess who else is in the car? It's she's here. Here she here it's, she comes. <laughs> It's the one and only Bianca Castafiore. Yeah. Bianca Castafiore. This is one of the great um, characters of Tintin. I was before before I before we started this, I was like not sure if I was gonna like Castafiore, like when we get to her, but she's great. Mm. I, I I am yeah. I am very much on board with her at the, at this point. Um, yeah. Like I mean, currently her like singular character trait is being very, very, very loud. Yes. <laughs> um, I really like the bit where like she's like, "Hello, I'm singing tonight at the Winter Garden. Would you like to hear me sing?" And Tintin says, "I'd love to." And then there's like a record scratch, and a voiceover says, "This was a mistake. Yeah. That doesn't happen, but it should happen." And like she's singing very loudly, and then there's like two panels of like, firstly like forest animals all around like fleeing in terror, and then like Tintin looking over and seeing that like the windows are like bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a recurring bit that her voice breaks glass. Um, yeah, she's just she's such a such a great character. Like she's just such a force of personality, you know. Like every yeah. like her. Her main, besides, besides like singing very loud and very high in a way that people don't, like her whole deal is that you're never sure if people actually like her singing or if they just, they just can't say no to her. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, and I've just noticed, um, in like the last panel on page 29, like she's, there's like a a picture because like, okay, well, Tintin gets arrested eventually because obviously he does it's a tinted book um and he's like in jail cell and then like he hears like her um broadcast over the radio and he's like "Ah!" um and there's like a little panel of her singing and she's like she's like full opera get up like braids lacing pearls the get up and like the microphone is leaning away from her and trembling (laughs) And there's a little cellist in the corner who's like terrified and sweating. It's so good. That's the funniest thing to me that like even the orchestra guy, like even someone who is used to like opera singers being behind him, is like, what? What the hell is she doing? 
Yeah. Which is like, she's singing in La Scala, which is like the most prestigious, or one of the most prestigious, like, opera houses. Like, it's, it's just insane. Like, I'm, I'm never quite sure if this is, if this is Hergé having a laugh at, like, the general concept of opera, which is, like, which is likely, but I like to imagine it more as, like, less of all opera is like this and more like this one opera singer is like this or this one diva is like this and people are just terrified to tell her to stop singing yeah yeah like she's just she's just the most like there's gonna be her her bits with with Haddock later are just going to be some of the most beautiful stuff like that yeah like I can't really remember much about her to be honest and I'm so excited to like delve into it but just like so far already she's been here for like two yeah. pages and it's already like you have the trope of like the diva opera singer who is just and like she's at the pinnacle of that trope. Like she sort of defines it almost. Yeah, and she starts out there. Yeah. There's gonna be one book that is centered all around her and it's it's like one of my favorites. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so so like um while T- Tintin is like arrested in jail, and then we actually get a cut over to see what uh Professor Alembic is doing. Yes. Which we cut like we cut back and forth between his activities and Tintin's activities like two or three times. Which I think is quite interesting because I don't think Kershaw's done this before. Yeah, I mean the the main thing this reminds me of is like the like bomb plot in Blue Lotus when there was like a cut to like the chain of events it set off. But but even this even that is like quite different. Like this is this is much more of like I don't know. I would say this is classic spy movie stuff, except like spy movies weren't like like this is the thirties, right? Like so all the like classic spy movies that we know. Like this is this would be like in a fucking Mission Impossible movie where it like yeah. cuts back and forth between these events. But this is like pre cinema or like not pre cinematic, but like this 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 was like cinema of the nineteen thirties was like quite different from the ones that we know. Like like but, but like yeah. this is like something that would be like in a De Palma movie or something. Like it's it, I think it's really well done. Like it's really it's you know it it does a great job at establishing the uh the like the, the stakes i guess like where tintin is like i need to get i need to get to Clow. i need to get to to the king you know and meanwhile we see this uh we see the professor like getting closer and closer to the scepter you know mm and I, I, like the not a, it's like he's getting closer and closer to the scepter but it's also establishing how long he is taking yeah. to get to the scepter and yeah, like and, giving us like, like a cut well down of like it is right like yeah it's not even i guess spy movie isn't even the right comparison it's it's it, it's it's much more it's even more like a heist movie stuff where we like see the like master thief getting like getting like closer and closer to this like well-guarded item that he's gonna steal right mm, mm, like yeah. we see how well-guarded it is and we see how much it's like impossible to steal but then like the perfect you know the, it's 
because of his master thief, like he's still gonna be able to like do it somehow, you know. And that's that's yeah. where the tension comes from. Where you're like, oh, there's no way he can like the, all the time. They're like, um, you know, you can look at the books, but there's gonna be two guards watching you all the time. I hope you understand. And he's like, oh, of course, like just yeah, just yeah. the way the professor is like perfectly calm, like for. For a lot of these panels, he doesn't say anything. Like, a lot of these are, like, completely silent panels where we just saw, see him being escorted inside. It's... I think it's and it great is, Like, it is also... I'm wondering if, at this point, you're not supposed to be sure that he yeah. is a duplicate or not. Like, you're still supposed to think that maybe this is just the completely normal professor. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think... I think it's still sets up a vibe that is like, oh, something's fishy here, something's wrong here, but you don't, you're not quite sure what, like, because you already yeah. saw that the uh, beard-pulling trick didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, like, like, the fact that this is being depicted at all is like, okay, this is the sep- this is what the scepter is, we should be concerned about it, but we don't exactly know why or what's going to happen there. Um, so, like, after we get the first cut to what the professor is doing, we then get, like, a little sequence of Tintin is Gibbs from Jill. You know, obligatory Hergé stuff. But there's a part where, like, he gets, like, a letter about, oh, beware, beware, you're... <laughs> the, word, the letter says, beware, you're going to be taken to Cloud to get shot. <laughs> is this... Is this Hergé, like, r- referencing how Tintin is, like, set up against the firing squad constantly in the previous books. I'm wondering if it is. I feel like this is pretty much like a, like a joke about like Blue Lotus Broken Ear stuff where he kept getting these letters. Because in this one, it's like... In, in this one, the twist is, right, that Tintin, Tintin is, has gotten used to getting these letters by like some friends, by like people who will refer to themselves as a friend. Uh, yeah. warning him about the conspiracy but of course in, in this scene the letter was actually sent by the people who were trying to catch him so that it, so that it gets easier to like I know, it's kind of a convoluted setup because they want yeah, him I was to like, I was wondering who sent this I mean it's, yeah, it's it, the previous it, it, panel right like oh yeah yeah I didn't read those panels well in those, it's set up that they're like this. This this one guy tells the other. I don't know if they're like Bordurians or Sildavians. Yeah, but like trying to kill Tintin. Yeah, these military guys are. are like, you are going to shoot Tintin. Uh, his the driver will stage a breakdown, and Tintin will try to escape. And when when he tries to escape, then you can shoot him. And then the other, the other guy is like, but what if he doesn't try to get away? And then he says, don't worry, he will. And it's, of course he will because he sent him this letter pretending to be someone trying to help him. But actually they just want him to do this. So it's a, kind of like a double yeah, which double reverse in situation. It's pretty cool, but to be honest, I wasn't reading it because there is a little uh, panel of Tintin like feeding the letter to Snowy. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the only thing I focused on. <laughs> Or like like he fe- he's like hey Snowy swallow this paper pellet and then the next panel is Snowy being like Ugh, yucky. <laughs> Snowy hates this. Yeah. She's like, oh, you think eating paper is easy? <laughs> Do it yourself. I haven't tried it. I mean, like, what? Have you never eaten paper? Like, not on purpose. 
I'm really? not. I'm not K. Have you have you been there in Pigot Discord? Where no, I don't think so. I guess I think it started as a controversy Monday, but then it kept going on in Discord where it was like K was like controversy Monday. It's not only fine to eat the muffin wrapper; it's the best part. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I missed this. And since then, she keeps she keeps defending that uh, eating a muffin wrapper is actually good and you should do it, and that's. And that's where all the fibers are, and, and I think she's serious because she's been I, doing that for really long. Damn! I mean, there are worse hills to die on, I guess. <laughs> it's just such an insane because, like, it went on for so long. Oh, God. Um. Oh yeah, I was I was gonna say talking about Tintin getting shot, Tintin getting letters. Like, we could make bingo cards for yeah. the books. Like completely honestly, um, I kind of want to do that. I mean, I don't know how much because this this whole bit seems like Erge being very self aware that he's been doing the same tropes all the time or the same like story beats all the time. So, like, I wonder yeah, how cause... much he's gonna try to break away from them. But at the same time, it still has a like the the the. Tintin trying to escape from this being shot ends up with him like rolling down this hill and then crashing against a tree and then like still somehow being fine, you know? Like it still yeah. ends up being this like action scene fall. And Snowy lands on him. Snowy lands on him. Yeah, it's like, so, like, cause here, like, to like, Hergé is like, okay, here are the, here, I am feeding you the tropes I have fed you before, but doing a funny twist on them or like yeah. a. a surprising twist of events where it was a trap the whole time um so yeah it's like it is quite self-aware yeah like yeah he gets away from them because he like rolls down a hill little bouncy boy yeah and so it walks to claw there, there's a, there is a great little panel at the bottom of the page where he passes a like a, a electric station that says like danger high voltage and there's like a skull and crossbones on it and like Snowy's looking over at it like looking at the bones in the sign being like oh bones I, I love that yeah there's some great bone bits in this uh, good bone bits like the next the next good bone bit is the oh, big diplodocus bone page. bit yeah it's so good and honestly okay like these bone bits like. Just like the like, you know, funny cigarettes being thrown at snowy bits. Like they set up the like payoff at like yeah. the end of the book as well. Yeah. I really like that. Important bone bits. Yeah, it's snowy fetching every bone, or like, you know, just carrying bones and finding bones, ends up being Burn. like the essential plot resolution somehow which is which is a great feat that Erja is pulling off this this bone bit that we're talking about here is of course where Tintin stops for a second while Snowy runs into the Natural History Museum and steals a dinosaur bone like out of the like big exhibited dinosaur he steals the femur of a Diplodocus Giganticus which may be one of the largest bones ever yes (laughs) made in recorded history but then what's what makes it even better is like the tintin scolding snowy bit like the same yes! way he was calling snowy for the whiskey in this one he's like you take that bone back where you found it <laughs> you understand so good and again like another bit that pays off is snowy's like oh fine and like is running back to the natural history museum 
like the end of the bone runs into like a lamppost and Snowy loses the bone. Yeah. This is foreshadowing. Um Yeah, and then all and the then, all the street dogs are now fighting for this big dinosaur bone. I think that Snowy might have, you know, taken taken after his owner and started a war yeah. between all the dogs and Claw. Uh it's good. Um um, yeah, then Tintin gets to the palace. Um, he's here to see the king. What else? Yeah. Why can't he see the king? Oh, just like bureaucracy? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be... F- not to defend kings and their bureaucracy or whatever, but like, I do think if I like walked into Buckingham Palace and was like, I need to see the queen immediately, I have some important information, I don't think they would let me. Yeah, yeah. Is the queen they even in Buckingham uh, Palace? I don't know shit about the royals. Uh, sometimes she's got like six different houses Great. all around the country that she goes in. I don't know how I know this. Just general fucking osmosis. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but like Tintin really is just some guy. Like I feel like he keeps forgetting that that he, like yeah, I mean even Azure keeps forgetting that sometimes that there's no reason for Tintin to like have access to the king. I guess. Yeah, yeah, because like he like um, you know, there's a get there's another encounter with the, I guess villainous faction. Pretty good fight scene as well. Um, yeah. we get the funny panel of like, Snowy biting Tintin's assailant on the ankle and getting like thrown across the page, and Tintin's just like, "Thanks, Snowy," as Snowy is like upside down. Yeah. Uh, extremely good panel. Um, but then he has to like break into the um ballroom where I guess uh, Bianca Castafiore is singing for the king. Yes. Um, the Castafiore bits in this one is like like she's not it's weird because she's like not an essential character or an essential like plot element. She barely interacts with any, like she, she interacts with Tintin for like one scene but like she keeps popping up in, in like these in like these unexpected moments, which I think is really funny. Mm. Like again, like is this Hergé like coming up with this character, like putting her in here, and then later on being like, "Oh, she was pretty good. I'm going to bring her back." Extremely. Or I think so. Is it Hergé being like, "Here's a character I would like to put in a later book. Let's just like introduce her now." No, I think that doesn't seem. No, that's not. I don't no. think that's how Hergé works. I I I think it's just him putting a funny character in here and then being like... I mean, this is, like, a ton of, like, Terry Pratchett stuff is like this. Like, we talk about that yeah. a bunch, where, like, very cl- you can very clearly notice that he just, like, came up with an idea, like, in the last third of a book or, like, with a character and he suddenly seems to have so much fun with it that he's gonna make a whole book after that just around that idea. Like, I think... I think that's, like, how a lot of, like, this type of writing, like, the serialized type of writing and stuff. Not that Terry Pratchett is, like, quite the same as, like, actually writing this, writing these stories, like, publishing daily in, like, a page a day or a week, I don't know. But, like, publishing mm. them in this serialized manner. But it is similar in a way that both of them, like, basically can't catch a break. Like, they're just gonna keep writing constantly. <laughs> yeah. Like, Stephen King is also, like, one of those people, right? Like, that the type of writer who is just, like, constantly gonna churn out stuff. Like, which I, I just, like, a lot of comics writers at the time, because that's how comics work. 
a lot of comic yeah. writers were just like that. They were just like making serialized comics and then, you know, stuff like this was bound to happen that that you're going to come up with an idea at like the final third of your comic that is going to be like the kernel of an idea for a future comic. Like, I think the Thompsons in Cigars of the Pharaoh were probably like, he didn't necessarily mean to introduce a new recurring character in them. He just yeah. liked them enough that they, they came back. Yeah. I, cause I, I like, I'm looking over the publication dates and it's like each of these volumes is like one a year yeah. pretty much. Yeah, like he pretty much um, started writing the next comic as soon as he finished one. Yeah, and it's like that would have been serialized. Yeah. Yeah, like the the, the two things uh, to go back to the page. Sorry, just like the two things I want to note is that first of all, like Denton like comes in and like is like I must speak to the king, and then gets like dragged away as an anarchist, <laughs> like because I wish. What the fuck are you doing? Just like running at the king in the middle of an event like my guy um but like secondly the the like thing that happens is like he's he's like snuck up onto like a little parapet type thing i don't know what it is but like whenever he looks into the room he sees like that bianca castafiore is like singing and like immediately falls off the thing that he's like standing on yeah presumably because of like (laughs) Yeah, His no, trauma th- surrounding this woman? <laughs> no, I think... I don't know. Because, like, she's singing, and then the glass Tintin is on crashes. So maybe it's just her Oh, voice. is that what it is? I think it is. <laughs> I think it's just okay, Bianca yeah. breaking the glass with her singing here. Okay, yeah, I, I definitely read it as, like, Tintin was scared and fell down. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, it's great. Yeah. What's, what's even better, though, is, like... In this scene where Tintin is, like, storming in and they're like, no, this was just an anarchist called the guard. And in the final yes. panel of the page, we just see this little detail that Bianca Castafiore just fainted seeing this action. I mean, I mean like, it's not even a little detail. It's, like, directly, it's, like, center of yeah, the panel. Yeah, right. It's, it's right in the middle of the panel, but also nobody talks about it. Like, it's just... Yeah, everyone's, like, kind of ignoring her. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's just there's, there's like this one lady that's just like fanning her and everyone is just carrying on with their party. Like the king is just there like, oh okay, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So there's another classic classic bit of Tintin uh being being held captive, but uh, but he escapes through like some action stuff, like the I, I guess part of it is sheer luck and part of it is yeah. him having a jelly head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what happens is that this this car that is supposed to transfer him to the to the state prison uh for his trial uh like has a little accident because like some uh some dude is like walking over the street, doesn't notice the car, so the car tries to like pull away uh, and crashes. Uh and then Tintin is brought yeah, to Yeah, it the, is like Yeah. Both these car accidents that happen in these pages are actual, genuinely complete accidents. Yeah, Tintin didn't have, like, a big plan to get out of this situation. He was just, one, really lucky, and two... This has a high luck stat. And two, has a very high constitution, because, like, when he's gonna... Because, like, after the crash, they're gonna transfer him uh, to a hospital uh, because he's suffering from a concussion, but guess what? He was faking it, because, like, Tintin... 
Tintin's head is unbreakable. Like, <laughs> yeah, they just these doctors just weren't aware that he has jelly head. <laughs> doctors hate him. <laughs> this one boy has an unbreakable head. <laughs> but yeah, he he like he's like running away from these people, and then like coincidentally, literally gets run over by the car <laughs> that the king is in. Um. And, like, the king is, like, helping him up. And he's like, oh, my God, it's the king. Hi, I've got something to tell you, sir. <laughs> he just knocks his guard out. He, like, knocks his guard out. The king, like, pulls a gun on him and he's like, don't shoot, trust me. And the king is like, okay, I will. <laughs> I trust you now. It really just... He, the, the, the king really just, like... Tintin just flipped the switch in him that now makes him trust him. Yeah, like... I I guess he's just such a trustworthy looking little lad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they finally the the, the Tintin is like ah, there's a plot. They like drive back to the castle. Um, there's like more shots of like as the uh professor is about to like take a photograph of the center. Ooh, what's gonna happen? And then by time they arrive back in the treasure chamber where the scepter was, it's gone. Everyone's like passed out on the floor and there's no scepter. Ooh, how could it have happened? Oh, the mystery. Ah. Ooh, they're all passed out, including the professor. Oh. I, okay, I genuinely never like figured out who was like, did he just do it and then knock himself out? Like what? Yeah. Uh, I think it's basically like what the Thompsons are saying. Yeah. Like the Thompsons come up with this this theory, and they're like, one of the people who 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 got like who who got knocked out actually just faked it. Like they they had a they put like a, um like a cloth in front of their nose so they you know could hold on to consciousness and then threw the scepter out of the window and then acted like they they fainted. Like that's that's the uh, Thompsons theory. But then there's like this whole bit. Where Tintin is like, how how would they have? I don't quite get how it worked better with the way it, Tintin actually solved the puzzle. I mean, I think I I think I do. I kind it's of like, get it. Um, yeah, I guess it's like the force, the force of it, right? Like, yeah, I was gonna say it's like uh, when in a, a video game when you're trying to shoot an arrow through a gate, but like the the like the 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 way the gate functions yeah. is it's 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 designed in such a way. In the game that it does not allow objects to pass through at great velocity, uh, they just need a different device to do that. Um, but I do enjoy the bit of the Thompsons being like, "Okay, I can throw this stick through this lattice," and then failing at it and getting hit in the face. It's, it's funny slapstick. Thank you, Hershey. Yeah, yeah. It's really just like, I mean, it is. It is kind of. They do kind of do a. Uh, I guess it's the. I guess it's the opposite Elon Musk, this Kyrie's unbreakable bit where they're like, we can throw it in, but it actually bounces off. And, like, because in the first panel, one of them throws it, it bounces off, hits the other yeah. in the face, and then in the next panel, he's like, no, I'll show you. And it shows that, like, the second Thompson twin, like, has a black eye yeah, from this. I mean, it is one of the things I enjoy about them the most is that they also get injuries always the exact same way. Like, they're just... <laughs> they're just the same. Yeah. There are two guys here, one guy. Yeah. But yeah, so they, they can't... They figured out most of the mystery, but they can't figure out how the scepter got yeeted out the window. Yeah. 
Um, so they kind of they go off to investigate, and Tintin's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to investigate too." Yeah, and this is the bit I um, the bit bit that I was confused about just a second ago, mm. where like this guy shows up and he's like, "Professor Alembic and Hatsarlets have escaped from the prison." So now it's like, okay, it's clear that like those people who fainted and were then like taken to like to get questioned by the police, I guess they just escaped. So you know they were. Mm. Now very clearly on it. I don't know why they couldn't have just. I guess they couldn't have just escaped because guards were out there, were around there. So yeah, it's you know it's probably easier to escape from a prison than a palace. Sure, uh, sure, that sounds right. <laughs> oh, they had accomplices among the prison wardens, so I guess. Mm. I guess mm, yeah. I, <laughs> this was a ve- This is both a very well planned out conspiracy or like a I mean it's I guess it's a decent heist you know that like that's how all heists work is to just like have people go undercover in all these places have accomplices at all these places so you're like okay I'm gonna get captured but then there's gonna be people who can help me out to the prison which is like but easier than having people replace the guys in the palace I guess yeah yeah it's fine it's not yeah it's really tight it's a decent heist yeah um, but, like, Tintin is walking around, uh, Cly and, like, sees some little toys in the window of a shop, and he's like, I figured it out! How they did the thing! He's figured it out! Yeah, from looking at little toys! Um, so, like, he runs back to the, like, uh, treasure room, just kind of, like, barrels in there, and is like, I'm gonna figure it out! And then, like, we cut to the guards, like, storming in and seeing, like, Tintin dead on the pavement. Yeah. Um, which is because like yeah, Tintin Tintin figured out that the camera actually has like a spring in it. I don't know why he um, needed to knock himself out for this. I just just I mean listen, I mean what's he got to lose? He cannot physically yeah. get head injuries, so it's fine. But yeah, so like he figures out that like the camera had a device in it. They could point the camera out the window, and it would like pitching machine sort of launched the scepter like over the river into the woods for them to like pick up litter it is a pretty great bit like this is this is a pretty pretty good like you know practical detective shenanigans where he's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put in a thing that is approximately the same size as the scepter and i'm gonna shoot it out of the window and now i and now i know where the scepter would have fallen right yeah yeah yeah. Um and guess what? <laughs> the actual guys still haven't found the scepter. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh my god, he shot it to the wrong place. Now we have to go around and find it. Um because yeah, Tintin like goes over there to also look for the scepter and it's just like everyone's in the woods looking for the scepter. Like one guy finds it and there's like a big chase sequence around the place and this is where Snowy has his hero moment. Yes. Well, the first of the first of many. First of many. Yeah, cuz uh, yeah. like while while they're having the fight, um Tintin like tosses the scepter over to Snowy and Snowy of course being trained in carrying bones <laughs> just picks it up and uh starts running into the river, but <laughs> the exact same thing happens that happened with the dinosaur bone where it gets stuck in a tree. Um and it's it's also like 
I guess like because the scepter is this like uh, pelican, so it's yeah. got like a big beak, so it just like hooks itself behind the tree. Um, where yeah, like Snowy falls in the river, the guy runs off with the scepter, and yeah, there's sort of it sort of goes on to the end sort of sequence of the book, which because it's Tintin is a mountain courteous. <laughs> or actually, actually that's no, it's quite. It's there's more, more like, to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the he, again, the he's changing it up. Um, but then, then it becomes this thing where it's like it's a car chase, and they're like climbing mountains, you know, and then it becomes this whole thing about like, uh, it about like territory where it's like this this he chases this guy that is like trying to run over the Sildavian Bordurian border. Mm. And he's like, if I make it over the over the border, uh, I can't be caught anymore. <laughs> but it's just like this one, like stick, like yeah. <laughs> there's no like border patrol or anything here. It's just like this one. Uh, what's it called? Like this, this. It looks like this. Looks like street signs, right? And one side says Sildavia, and the other says Borduria. But uh, yeah. Tintin catches him like right before it, and then he says, "Another yard, and it have been over. <laughs> there would have been yeah. no way to get the scepter back." Which, like, sh- sh- sure, I-, I guess, like, no one was there, buddy. Like, who, who would have known? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was very funny. Like, it's, it's pretty dumb, but it's, but it's kind of, it's kind of a fun plot device to put in there. Yeah, I for in this, I really liked that. Like, the way that Tintin catches him is by like dropping down on, upon him from a great height. Yeah. Um, at which Snowy yet again says, "One day you're gonna break your neck with all those acrobatics." Um, I also again like really nice scenery drawings in this sequence of like mountains and landscapes and um, time of day as well. Again, yeah. Um, so shout out, shout out to Herge and his background artist on that one. Yeah, this feels like this might have been a. This might have been some back- backgrounds that have been redrawn because I can earlier earlier parts of the books. It's like very basic back, very basic background. Yeah, so. like and and this is very much in the same vein as the really nice landscapes in the Black yeah. Islands that like we know those were redrawn. Actually, there seems to be now that I'm like going through the comic. It seems to be th- there seems to be a transition between like the early bits that are like incredibly basic backgrounds. And then once they get to Sildavia, it starts to get like yeah. this nice, nicely done background. Like it feels like, and, and like, then even like at the, uh, at the palace, you know, this all looks like very, very elaborate and very well drawn. Yeah, because like the the palace is like so ornate yeah. and stuff as well. And like most of the like the difference is yes in the detail of the background, but it's also like the colors. Yes, yes, that's how uh, like because if, like. Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at a PDF of this, and there, if you like, scroll through it, there's, there, there's like a very clear shift between like a different color palette or like a, a different. I don't know. It's not even a color palette. It's like the coloring in the early bits are like so much brighter and so much more yellowish, and there's just like these these walls in the background all the time. Yeah, and like I think, you know, like it's because. It, and it's not just like we're comparing the early bits of the book where there's a lot of like indoor scenes and like street yeah. scenes, whereas we get to Sylvia and it's like forests and stuff. You know, even especially in like the plain parts and like tarmac, you know, that is all so sparse. Yeah. 
compared to the, the outdoor scenes in Sylvia and stuff. Yeah. And even just like clouds and things like that. Yeah, weirdly I didn't notice while reading. Like it I guess I was just like caught up in the plot or caught up in the story. Like I didn't notice that there was this shift. Uh but now yeah. now that I'm looking back at it, it's very obvious. Which I mean like, you know, I think if you're gonna if you only have the time or budget to like focus your redrawings on part of the book, like this yeah. is gonna be the part you're doing, like yeah. Yeah, this is where Tintin also like catches once he catches this one of the, one of this one of these conspirators, uh he also he's like searching through his wallet and gets these finds these letters that were sent to sent to the section commanders, comma shock troops, subject seizure of power. And these were all signed like some guy named Mustler, which I didn't catch this, but Wikipedia says that's supposed to be a combination of Mussolini and Hitler. Yeah, I, like again, like it's it's a tiny little detail. It's like you yeah. would have to actually read these two. Like you would have to be blue. You would have to be aware. Notes. I think. Yeah. Like if you read it, like yeah. one, you know, if you read it completely out of context, no way you would catch on to this. Yeah, it's like so. And again, it's like this is kind of this felt to me like the part of the book where Hershey was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, yeah," and, and, and you know, politics is there in the background. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, and it's like the Wikipedia page is like the villain of King Ottokar's scepter is called Musler, and I'm like, "There's a <laughs> there's a villain. There's a guy. Like we never meet him. Yeah, it's all. He's just, just about... like a name that is said. Yeah, it's all just like, about twice. his conspirators mostly. Like, um, then there's yeah. this weird like denouement in the plot." <laughs> Where Tintin is like, oh, there's no time to lose. And then he's starting to faint and he's like, oh, I haven't eaten anything since yesterday. I like, this is very I really relatable. like this. Yeah, I think the reason I like it is because it's like me every single day. Yeah. I get yeah, up yeah. and then I start doing things and then it gets to 5pm and I'm like, why do I feel so shit? Yeah, this is Tintin relatable moment. Tintin millennia moment. <laughs> Tintin on that grind at his BuzzFeed Unsolved job. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, and, like, he, like, he crosses the Bordurian, uh, border, like, with the scepter so that he can go get some food. After being, like, the scepter can never make it across, or, but, so, like, he just takes it. It's fine, like, uh, it it only matters if if this other guy does it. This bit is so funny, Uh, because he's, like, he's, he's, like, running over, and he's, like, well, I guess, I guess I have to go across the the border because I'm so hungry. And then he just sees this border post. And there's a dog, also. Yeah. There's a bone. Uh, snowy, a bone. this dog, and and this bone is, like, right at the halfway between these two dogs. So, like, obviously, Snowy scoops up the bone, starts running away. The other dog starts running away, but this knocks over the table that has all the food on it. So now Tintin has, like, a loaf of bread and, and like, a... A bottle of wine in his hand, and he's like running away with those. Yeah, important to note it's one of those like nice little bottles of wine, which is like very like circular, very like teardrop, plump ass kind of shape yeah. with a little basket about it. Very, very, very charming. It, very lovely. It does very look very, um, you know, East European countryside. Um, mm-hmm. Bottle of wine. Um, then he's running away <laughs> with with those, and one of the like Bordurian guys. Shoots at a gun, shoots with him at, with a gun. This breaks the wine, but he still like keeps 
he keeps eating from this bread while running away. Yeah, it's like the part in uh, Modern Sushi whenever Wei Wushan was off, like going to find Zhang Zhang, and like he's so hungry that he faints on the way, so he has to go back and like get some like bao, and he's like running and eating them, trying to like find his brother. It's very dramatic, exactly yeah. like that. That's... It's exactly like Modern Sushi. <laughs> MXTX read this, and she was like, "I'm gonna put that in my book." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if Tintin cultivation at UN? There is this is it is a great the, the panel where Tintin is just like stuffing the bread in his face while running away and the scepter like being sticking out of his jacket is, is is a great panel. It's great great work there actually. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the my biggest envy towards Tintin is like how deep are those pockets that you yeah, can like stick pretty much the entire scepter in this part? Oh my god. It's it's a cool jacket. Yeah. God. Are you gonna do Tintin cosplay when we go to <laughs> when we go to uh, Belgium? No. I feel like I, there like, would I be a, I of... feel like it would be whack to do Tintin cosplay in Belgium, you know? Like everyone's there. Yeah. But I would like to have this jacket. <laughs> I don't like I don't know who I would cosplay from Tintin. Like obviously yeah. I can't do Tintin. Yeah, I mean like we could do Thompson and Thompson, but I don't know. Oh my god. We could at least get like the hats yeah. and stick on some moustaches. That would be fun. Like little black suits. Yeah. Like our cover art. And it seems to it doesn't seem to be a very complicated thing to do, so Yeah. We we get the like the nice felt English bowler hats for three ninety five yes. each <laughs> and real steel. Um God. Yeah. Um yeah, so like Tintin's running away from the Borgerian guard. Um, he does a funny trick where he scatters pepper to put the dog off his scent. Ho ho. Um, he then steals a plane. He steals um, a plane. So you know, um, he can do that. That's part, part, an established part of it his. It has been established that he can fly a plane. Yeah. But I like I really like the page where his plane gets shot down. It's like, very pretty. Yeah, it's like it's pretty and it's very like the the, the dark blue of like yeah. the the dusk sky and like the 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 shape of the searchlights and just like when he's getting shot at the like yellow of the fire. It's just like a very beautiful, evocative kind of intense page. Yeah, yeah I mean the coloring on these works, like. I think it always works the best with these like huge like prime colors, right? Like with these big blues and yellows. Like it's it, it it it's a great contrast. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know. It works great because there's not like they're not like very over overladen panels, right? Yeah. Like, it's just this. It's just this blue and this plane in it, and there's like these searchlights in it. It's it works really well. It's like, yeah, it's like sparse and yeah, well lit. It's it's yeah. I I think it just works best with the Lin, with the Sling Claire style, where it's like these all the forms are very contained. So it's like these 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 stark uh, sparse panels work best, where it's like you know just just like these huge color fields. <laughs> I don't know I'm how just, to talk just... about visual arts, but I'm trying. No, you're 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 doing amazing, sweaty. No, I'm just looking at this, and again, yet again, I'm wishing that Jujutsu Kaisen was more like this, so that I could know what was going on in the action scenes, um, and like manga in general. 
Um, but yeah, so his his plane gets shot down. Um, he sees a signpost to Clo and he's like, 16 miles, that's only five hours walk. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> Get walking, buddy. Um, there is a five funny bit where walk. he fights a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Which... He's trying to... God. He's just... This is this is pretty funny because like we don't even see the horse. Yeah, just, it's like. I mean, this is it's the opposite of the tiger scene. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nature's revenge. <laughs> just yeah, it's like the, the we don't see the fight and it just cuts to the resolution of the fight, which is Tintin being beat by the horse. Yeah. I just, I think this establishes like a rock, paper, scissors type uh-huh. triad where like Tintin beats Tiger, horse beats Tintin. One can sort of assume the that Tiger, tiger would be horse. horse, you know? Horse, Tiger, Tintin. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that's good. We'll figure out the hand signals for it later. Yeah. Tintin, like- Tintin, the one for Tintin can be uh, like the fist because like his head is very round. Um, I, I got nothing for horse and tiger, sorry. <laughs> But I like this bit because it's like, it's it's good to have like one moment where Tintin gets owned, and like you mm. know, in the last comic there was a bit where he, where he like tried to climb over that wall and that tree and just yeah. fell down. Snow was just like, why didn't you just walk through the door? And this one is getting kicked by a horse, like where he's like, oh, I can just. I can just steal a horse from the stable and just kind of walk inside in the dark. Oh, there's even a saddle. Uh, and then he just get, gets kicked out by the horse. And then <laughs> let's, mm. let's just mm. walk. Yeah, and you know, it's like... Like, he, he he didn't eat, so he got, like, dizzy from lack of food. And it's like, oh, Tintin is like a human person with human needs at this point. Unlike in Cigar to the Pharaoh. Yeah. He's like, how should I... I feel like you just wouldn't have included that in earlier editions no. or in earlier uh, stories. Um, yeah, and then yeah, we're like basically he's, he's... like basically at the at the final bit of the comic, right? Like, there's just one last conflict where we see all these uh, all these statesmen on these like the new king to be crowned. Um, and like all these people telling him, well, if you don't have the, I don't know if we said this, but like if he doesn't have the scepter, he can't become king. And that was the big conflict. That's why he needed the scepter. Yeah, and like, and again, like there was a whole, there was a whole bit in that middle like exposition world building pamphlet that like explained yeah. the whole story behind the scepter, like why it is that the king, like that. Um, yeah, and the king, fuck. the 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 king is like, or the the king to be crowned is like, well. Rest assured, uh, there's not gonna be, not gonna break out a civil war over me not having the scepter and being crowned. You know, if I, 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 I will. He said, I will abdicate, which so that there will be no bloodshed. I will abdicate, which is you know, how you know he's a good king. Only few left. Uh, this is <laughs> this is this is this is this is like a minor edge trope, I guess. Like I, I think this. King and the Maharaja in uh, mm. in cigars of the pharaoh yeah, are they're like they're very this, like the same yeah like this, this this trope of the noble royal right like the ones who are just you know immediately trusting Tintin and they're like you know they're just 
the conspiracies are just happening around them and them being kings doesn't like has no relation to the actual state of the politics in the country apparently i don't know yeah it's like not yeah. their fault which they're is, just nice guys. They're just nice it's guys. not their fault that like their country sucks. What if a king was a nice guy? Have you, you haven't <laughs> fucked up? God, I, I can't talk about Cinderella again. <laughs> in the in the, you can tell me I bought it after the podcast. There's just there's just a, there's just an incredible moment in the 2021 Cinderella where like this whole bit is built around how oh these these royals are so backwards and maybe they don't even need royals but then it turns out that the prince has a sister who is an epic girl boss and then she becomes queen and now it's good i see <laughs> there's never been a woman queen before wow if a, if a, if a woman is monarch that means things are good now <laughs> anyway yeah. he doesn't have tintin runs in uh, he wants to hand the king the scepter, but he doesn't have it. He lost it. Uh, and apparently he also lost Snowy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he's just incredibly sleep deprived, didn't notice that his two most prized possessions or whatever yeah. had uh, gone from his person. And then we get the best sequence of panels yeah. that I have seen in a Tintin comic so far. This is incredible stuff. <laughs> this is so good. I like this is th- this is the like emotional um climax of the entire book and tinted series so yeah, far to of me. the podcast of the podcast like i am i'm looking at this and i'm losing my mind um do you want to take this or shall i go ahead okay so we got from you know on the end of the previous page titan is like odin oh, oh i've lost the scepter ah we cut to Snowy, who's carrying the scepter, and Snowy's like, oh, luckily, luckily, I saw the scepter falling out of his pocket. Snowy's just like, oh my god, do I have to do everything for you around here, Tintin? Snowy has, like, the um, most, like, determined face here. Yeah, yeah, there's, like, little sweat drops coming off him. Amazing stuff. But then, but then, he walks past a little bone. And we know, having been established in, the, like, the entirety of this book, that the one thing that Snowy wants is just a goddamn bone. So he drops the scepter, and he's sniffing at the bone. He's like, oh, fuck yeah, I found this bone. I'm going to pick up this bone. And then he has a thought. And the thought is this, oh, oh, this image, this image of Tintin as the god Zeus almost, with this, the, the the lightning bolts of his wrath in his hand. It's just an incredible, just little thought image that Snowy has here. And then he puts the bone down, and he's sitting between the scepter and the bone. And this question mark is coming out of his head. He's like, oh my god, which one am I going to pick up? Um, <laughs> it's so good. I kind of wish that it, it just cut from this panel directly to the panel of Snowy walking into the, the palace with the scepter. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still, ca- do- still kind of like the next panel, which is like the bone like being in the foreground left behind. And then we see like... Yeah, and Snowy's like running off into the yeah. distance with the scepter. Um, but like, yeah, I like the, the, like the panel where he's, you know, he drags the scepter into the, like the palace room. He looks so mad that he's had to leave his bone behind. Like he's got a huge frown, like he's like teeth are gritted, like around the scepter. just like, again, like sweating with effort. He's just so angry. Yeah, and Tintin is like Farquaad pointing at him. (laughs) He's, he's. 
exactly. <laughs> like pointing at Snowy and looking at the. But like, there's like no dialogue, but he's like looking at the king and he's like, can you believe this shit? Yeah, and like, every, like, and all the, the like, best. dignitaries, all the dignitaries around him are, like, clasping their hands in joy and being overjoyed. It's like, you know, general behaviour that everyone does whenever you see an animal do anything at all. Um, Tintin is pogging the, here. <laughs> this is Tintin pog jump. <laughs> and the, the, in the, like, the next, like, the next few panels where, you know, the king is like, oh, I'm, I'm, be, I'm saved, blah, blah, blah. That Snowy is in the background on a chair. Just Snowy is thinking about that boat. Thinking Snowy wants that, that boat. boat. It's, it's so good. It's, it's really good that it, like, I like that, that, like, all the thoughts we get of Snowy is just this panel of, just this image of Tintin being angry. Like, there's no, like, no, like, dialogue. Like, it's just... There's the panel of Tintin being angry, and then again this, 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 this thought bubble with the bone in it. Like that's that's all of Snowy's thoughts here. Yeah, and it's like it's so good because it's like we you know obviously Snowy does think in words yeah. most of the time, but but like the, this little picture of Tintin like holding the lightning bolts of wrath is so much more evocative than just if Snowy was like, but Tintin would be angry at me. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, this is this is great stuff. Um, yeah, and I mean the plot kind of ends of the I book. I mean, it is like, basically one of the last pages. Like, there's not yeah, much there. The the king is like, ah, oh, arrest uh, Musler and his associates. Yeah, because like the king uh, is like, I'm saved, and then Tintin is like, mm, but have you heard about politics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the king like does politics. Yeah, and. Then everything is uh, pretty much solved, and there is a parade because of course. There's a parade. The the Thompsons are here, but now they're like wearing these like fancy suits. Oh yeah, they've got little bow ties. I didn't notice that. I also just noticed it right now. The the thing I did notice is like like there's a parade in the royal carriage, and then like Tintin uh, walking into the the main like the throne room, yeah. and like he's wearing a little suit again, and like Snowy has a bow. This looks exactly like the the, uh, the fucking Star Wars scene yeah. where they're like walking in and getting the medals. Yeah, yeah, like that is that's what happens. Like Tintin gets a fucking medal. He gets um, a medal. And then the never, never has the order of the golden pelican pelican been conferred upon a foreigner. But we're gonna give it to Tintin because we love him. He's just a little guy. Yeah, just a little guy. Just um, a birthday. And then the the Thompsons are knocking down Chandelier. I love that. Like they're waving their like canes in the air and shouting hurrah, and then like they were in the party. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> excellent stuff. Oh, and then we figure um, out we... the the part of the mystery that wasn't explained so far. Yeah, like Hershey does like a page of being like, all right, oh yeah, also these plot points are are, are up top. Uh, remember Professor Alambic? He had a twin. Remember the guy that fainted? He was someone. I don't even know who he was. <laughs> does it explain it here? I don't think so. But it does tell us about how, mm, now here's P- Professor Alambic was arrested and this li- he had this little book and it has these images of like these guys it has uh oh yeah it has the guy who fainted here uh but, it, but yeah it, it's, it's very hard to read because it's like written in his handwriting so it just it doesn't like explain who he is it says keep an eye on Sildavian organizations 
and then you can't abroad? read the last the rest. Yeah, abroad, and then pretend to pretend and then to liquidated be an is like written over it. So I guess yeah. like the. I guess the bad guys took him out, which like basically we understood. Like, <laughs> yeah, I will say that like, and like the last three books I think have like done similar things yeah. where they're like Blue Lotus did this as well. Although in Blue Lotus, I actually bothered reading the text, but like at the end of the book, whenever like exposition is happening, there are just there's panels where there is like a very small person in the corner, and like most of the panel is like text boxes and exposition. Yeah. And, like, I, I will say that, like, you know, whenever it, it's kind of, like, either Hergé is doing these, like, wonderfully, like, physical action sequences or this shit, like, the kind of the balance of, like, text to image, yeah, um, like, swings quite a lot. And, like, this is the kind of panels where I, like, cease to be able to read because it's a little bit overwhelming yeah. here. I feel like this is the, like, panels that have a lot of text in the speech bubble seems to just be, like, I don't know, a feature of all the comics a lot, like a lot yeah. more than more recent ones. I mean, but at the same time, it, I also like, just is... like can't read recent comics. Like, I don't know. There's just, I just don't like the style. I don't know. I still, yeah. I still much prefer this to like what I was. Not to piss off like current comic book fans, but I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, Tintin, Tintin looks at this, this guy and he's like, oh, I know him. And then he flips the page, and there's the image that the the photographer took him, but like it, he fucked up the image, so it only shows like his legs, um, where it says hmm. Tintin reporter, don't trust him. Uh, and then this guy like shows him the final piece of evidence that puts everything together. That's right, the professor had a twin brother who had the same Ooh. beard and haircut, but wasn't short sighted and didn't smoke. Yeah, there's two men, and they are identical, except for one has a pair of glasses and a cigarette in his hand, and that's that's how we know everything. I do like that they style their beards and hair the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but one of them is... But I, I will say, I like the fake professor more. Like, the real professor seemed like a real yeah. piece of work. Like, he was throwing cigarette butts on Snowy. And either way, like... Chain smokers are not pleasant to be around because they're just gonna <laughs> yeah. fill up the room with cigarette smell. Um, he was rude, you know. He was he was very unpleasant. He was, he was just like obsessed with sigillography yeah. to a concerning degree. Which is a nerd obsession. Yeah, fucking monarchist. And his Disgusting. his brother was just like, "Hey, look at those look at those sheep you can see from up here. Isn't that cute?" Yeah, he was like a nicer guy. Yeah, I mean, technically, he was a Nazi, I guess. If yeah. if if we if we're to believe like Erge's political commentary. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I don't. Yeah, but uh, you know, his like actual depiction of actions and things he did were just like nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we have one one final showdown, the most important showdown of, of all in this book, which is, of course, the ongoing saga of Thompson <laughs> and Thompson versus transportation. Yeah, they're in a plane again. Um, yeah, importantly, they're in a seaplane. Yes, but they don't remember this. So they're like, what's happening? We're falling into... This. I have never been on a seaplane. I always think... Being on a plane, landings are so unpleasant, like, even if they're done well, like, you know, I've never yeah. gotten into a plane accident or anything, or a plane, like, crash, obviously, because I think most people die in those. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, I, 
but like just just the landing is just always so unpleasant so like i i'm trying to make like water it's it's like soft you know it's water but like it, i i imagine like seaplane landings to be like much more smoother and pleasant but i haven't been in any so mm-hmm. the thompsons are like what's going on falling into sea and Tintin said, we aren't falling, we're landing. This is a flying boat, remember? And then they're laughing like, oh, of course, we have forgotten. And Tintin winks into oh, the camera. Tintin, Tintin winks at the reader. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't wink at anyone. Like, there's no other person he could wink at. It's, it, it, he's doing yeah. this for us. It really is, because on the, ne- on, the ne- on the next, like, three or four panels, like, the Thompson twins carry on, like, oh, that's such a... I can't, you can't believe we forgot we were in a seaplane. Oh, that's so funny how absent-minded we are. Oh, that's... We did such a funny bit of, oh, we're falling into the sea. Oh, oh. splash, they fell into the sea because they walked off the plane. They forgot it was on the sea, and they're, now, they're, now they're in the sea. It's, pretty, it's really funny. It's, it's pretty good. Bit. It, it, it is pretty funny. It's pretty yeah, like the, the final, the final panel of the the comic just being like them just in the water, and everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. That's a good way to it's end great. the book, I think. Like, I need to, yeah, I need to take note of this whenever I have to end the book again. <laughs> it's like you know, it's it's um kind of doing the, the the thing that media quite often does of like being cyclical and being like, oh, we went yeah. on a whole adventure, and like now this is. I'm going to put something in at the end to like establish a return to like normality and like back to where we were when we started sort of thing. Like it's in that kind of vein rather than other books, which have like ended on like, Oh, now Tintin lives in India with the, the Maharaja and here's a parade. But, like, I know it's kind of nice to wrap things up like this. Yeah, it is. I like that. I like that Tintin is like winking at the camera to signal us as like, you know that there's a funny Thompson bit coming up right now. You were waiting for yeah. this. This is th- this one's for you. Dinton is like, ah, thanks, thanks for coming, listeners. Thanks for listening to my podcast, my BuzzFeed Unself podcast about King Autocar Scepter. Now here's a little something for, a little something for Daddy. <laughs> Thompson's falling into the water. Just a little something the, just for I'm you. The, are the readers daddy in this situation, Yoda? I don't know. Hello? It's just, uh, it's just a classic comedy bang bang character who is like who is like this pervert old man who is always like he's like a theater director who likes to put a little something for daddy into his plays. <laughs> what? I see. Ugh. Oh, that's the book, and we're on two hours of podcasting, so... Yeah, let's rate this. Let's... Oh, yeah, ratings. Oh, shit. Um, it was pretty good. Pretty good, I think, yeah. I don't know if I give it, like, a four out of five? Yeah, I can give it Uh, a four. I think it's, like, I don't know, very different vibe from from the Black Island. I still think Black Island is, like, slightly better, but, like, not substantially. Like, it's just a personal preference thing. Uh, yeah, I like I would in our rankings I would put it at a four to five, but underneath yeah. Black Island. Yeah, agreed. Like I think our final ranking is uh, Blue Lotus, Black Island, King Otokar Scepter, Cigars of the Pharaoh, and then the Black Ear still at last place. But I don't think it's like it's not like <laughs> you mean the Broken Ear. The Broken Ear. What did I say? You said Black Ear. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. It was a lot more than his ears yeah. that were black in that one. Um, <laughs> the broken ear. God. I, but I don't think it's like substantially. I, I think it's like right up there with the Black Island. It's really just like. Yeah, yeah. Matter um, of preference. You know, it's like just kind of sort of well put together, yeah. funny bits, good snowy bits. The, the, you know, the. Wait, I don't know, actually. I'm, I'm just remembering the panel of Snowy thinking about Tintin yeah. holding the Wrath of God in his hand, and I'm. I know, maybe, maybe, maybe it will go above Black Island. But Black Island had drunk Snowy. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I don't know if this is going to be, I'm excited to get to the next one for multiple reasons. One, we meet our friend Haddock. Um, two, mm-hmm. we're going to have our friend Roy on, so I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just, like, curious to see if, like, if like Snowy's contributions to the plot are gonna be like less now that there's someone else to bounce off Tintin, yeah. So I guess we'll see. I am. Um, I. It's not a controversial statement to like Haddock. Haddock is the most popular character of the book, probably. I think he's, he's probably more yeah. popular than Tintin. So you know, <laughs> get wrecked, Tintin. But but I will say I I do I do like the him and I am um excited to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um on our journey to to to, to see our friend Captain Haddock, um I, I guess fuck how am I gonna do this? I'm trying to segue into the thing that we sort of vaguely decided yeah. was gonna be our ending bit. I will take the high road. I'll take the low. Hell yeah, we did it, gamers. When they turn